Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. We're back for a week. Well, for one week at least. Because aren't you traveling next week? Yeah, but I'm back before we record. Oh, okay. It's a weekday trip, not a weekend trip. Would you consult your calendar, please? Well, sometimes you have travel days on the weekends. And by the way, I would consult my calendar on this one if it was in there. Oh, maybe it's not in there. Yeah, see, there you go. So I I have an excuse there for not knowing whether or not you were traveling over the weekend. I was pretty sure that I put it in the calendar. Anyway... So we are back for a week, possibly two weeks, before we take our break for the fall. Late summer, early fall-ish kind of thing, because we're going to miss a couple of weeks in September. And then we'll be back for the end of the season as we go through the (coughs) the final races in October, November. Are we into December this year? We are not into December this year. So October, November, and then we can all take a break for the holidays. But, you know, before we get into everything else, we do have a season that just ended. We do. The Formula E season has wrapped, and the driver championship, it was a tight race for the driver's championship over in Formula E, but Stoffel the Flying Waffle. He's unstoppable. Is the... 2021-22 Formula E Drivers Champion. Way to go, Flying Waffle. And Mercedes won the Constructors Championship in Formula E for the second year in a row and also their last year in Formula E, which I don't understand why they're leaving Formula E. I don't I mean, either. I didn't fully understand why they went into Formula E in the first place, but... They haven't been in Formula E for very long. I mean, it's been like four years tops. Well, maybe they're leaving Formula E because Susie Wolf no longer wants to compete with Mercedes. Could be, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens in the mind of Mercedes and Toto and various and sundry other people? Possibly. So let's rewind a little bit. We have to go in the Wayback Machine? Uh, a, a little bit. Previously on Formula One. Oh, that does bring back memories. <laughs> oh. But both Idris Elba and Patrick Stewart both were awesome. Oh, yeah. For, for lead into Formula One. Um, but when we last left, we had announced that Sebastian Vettel had announced his retirement from Formula One at the end of the season. And hopefully you listen through the end of the show to hear his full statement. I was about to say, in possibly the classiest way possible. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were hypothesizing, as we recorded, we were hypothesizing the possibility that maybe Mick Schumacher w- would move into the seat or one of a handful of other folks. And between the time that we finished recording and I got to sit down and publish the, and edit the podcast to publish it, we had news. I love it when we are out of date before we're even published. Yeah, that was, that was wonderful. But because this is silly season, 
we have been rewarded with the silliest of the silly seasons. Oh, pray tell. So between the time that we recorded the show and I sat down to edit it, we had news story number one that breaks, which is Fernando Alonso announces that he is leaving Alpine and headed to Aston Martin on a multi-year deal replacing Sebastian Vettel. Okay. Which, okay, surprise number one. Apparently, we weren't the only ones who were surprised by this. Apparently, Alpine was surprised as well. Oh, way to go. Way to go, Fernando. Yeah. Mark Safnauer says that um, they found out that Fernando was leaving by Aston Martin releasing the press release stating that Fernando was joining the team. You know... There is a right way and a wrong way to give notice. I'm thinking that a press release by your competition is arguably on the wrong side. (laughs) Possibly. But that's not the only time in our news this week that press releases are going to bite people. But that's just called foreshadowing. Let's finish from Fernando. We're going to get to that. So, you know, the, the big question came of, well... Why is Fernando leaving Alpine? Because we knew that Alpine was interested in keeping him for at least a year. Okay. If not longer. Well, what it sounds like is that Fernando wanted a multi-year deal. And all and, and Otmar has now come out and said all he was willing to give Fernando was a one-year deal with an additional one-year option. Um, and And what he says he told Fernando is that this is strictly aged base dude you're old Mm -hmm. basically they are concerned about fernando's age and him continuing to be able to perform at the level that he is currently performing at now otmar says that he also told fernando that you know look you keep performing like you did this year we'll keep handing you extensions Mm -hmm. but we're not going to hand you a multi-year deal and word is that Aston Martin handed Fernando a multi-year deal. Oh. It's somewhere between either two years with a one-year option or three years with a one-year option. Oh. So apparently they did not check Fernando's birth certificate to see how old he really is. Well, honestly, actually, I think it's something completely different. I, I, I think this is more the... Um... Lawrence Stroll still thinks that he can buy his way, buy himself a world championship and buy himself victories. And he's snatching drivers with world championships on their resume in the hope that one of them is going to bring him greatness that he's not going to get from Lance. Sorry, he's not going to get it from Lance. And the team is not yet at the point. If anything, I think the team has lost something compared to their abilities when it comes to designing a car. Because in the past, we know Alpine, or not Alpine, Aston Martin, and prior to that racing point in Force India, has always been a team that has been tight on resources that everybody says consistently performs above its weight and performs above its budget. And we're not seeing that this year. No. Um, I think that if you're right, 
if you're right. Mm -hmm. And Lawrence is hiring people based on a resume of world championship. Mm-hmm. then I think that he really needs to do a little bit of Formula One history. Because the reality is there are very, very few prior world champions. I mean, Lewis being one of them. Mm-hmm. Prior world champions that have then bounced back some number of years later to another championship. Um you know, you're you're almost better off looking for the up and coming new guy like Mick. Um, you know, there there's some really strong young talent on the grid, and unless it's a matter of they think that having that senior statesman gives them more feedback for the car, that would be the the argument for the senior statesman. It's not to get another world championship because that's not what typically happens. But the thing is, if you're going to go with the senior statesman to take one of those seats, then if you're going to have a chance, Lance has to go. Well, okay, we've been saying that pretty much since we met Lance. And there's nothing that's going to change your mind or mine that Lance is a good driver. He is going to fade into history with Pastor Maldonado and other one-hit wonders. He has an ability to pull things out the bag, Stroll. You don't think he's very good. And then he isn't very good. And then suddenly he's really, really mega at times. You think of Monza a couple of years ago. He's stuck on the front row in a Williams in the rain. He's really good in the rain, full stop. And he's really good on a certain kind of circuit with straights and short duration corners. But he's not really good overall. Maybe he can get there, but it's been four years now. Um, isn't, so, isn't, isn't... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. One time being mega does not make you a good driver. It, it's, it's just not the way that works. I'm sorry, it does not work that way. So, yeah, I I don't think that this is a strategy that's going to produce the championships that that Aston Martin says that they want to have. Um, So, yeah, it's a questionable strategy there. And, I mean, there's no denying Fernando's a talent. Mm -hmm. And, and, And he's still got skills He's still quick, but I think really the only person who's saying that Fernando is a world champion, a driver's champ, world driver's champion waiting in the wings is Fernando Mm. at this point. Well, Fernando is his best press. You know that, right? (laughs) Yeah. So that then led the question of, well, what's happening with Fernando's seat? And Alpine actually didn't waste a whole lot of time once they realized what was going on with that Fernando was leaving. Um, Which does beg another question. If you really did find out that Fernando was leaving based on a press release, it took you half a second to release your own press release. Well, it it was a little longer than that. It was about a day. So you're telling me that Contracts in Formula One that can take months to negotiate. There was a call made in a day and they were ready for a press release. Hold that thought. I'm holding. Hold that thought. So 
the next day, Alpine puts out a press release announcing that Oscar Piastri, Australian Oscar Piastri, who has been a member of their junior program, would be making his F1 debut with Alpine in 2023, replacing Fernando Alonso. Um, now, they say that, and, and Oscar's been their reserve driver, mm-hmm. and they said that they managed to, to conclude the talks within 24 hours. Um, there had been, prior to this, there had been reports that instead of, that, that what was going to happen with Oscar if Fernando hadn't left was that he was going to go down to Williams, that Alpine was going to loan him to Williams to take Nick Latifi's seat. Okay. Because we know Nick Latifi's seat is in jeopardy at this point because he has not gotten better. Um, however, and, and we, we, we had heard rumors, and I think we'd even mentioned that there were rumors between around Mark Weber possibly talking to McLaren about Oscar in his seat. Mm-hmm. And then this comes out. So he was out of the picture. Um, according to... So the, the press release that was put out had quote from Otmar and Otmar said Otmar or or excuse me Otmar (laughs) said Oscar is a bright and rare talent we are proud to have nurtured and supported him through the difficult pathways of the junior formula through our collaboration over the past four years we have seen him develop and mature into a driver who is more than capable of taking the step up to Formula One as our reserve driver, he has been exposed to the team at the track, factory, and testing where he's shown maturity, promise, and speed to ensure his promotion to our second seat alongside Esteban, which sounds, you know, great, promising, like something's happening. Autosport noticed something, though, about the press release. So Alpine had their statement. Otmar had their statement about Oscar. Oscar didn't have a quote in the press release. There was no comment at all from Oscar included in the press release, which is usually... um, I'm so excited to be joining the organization. I'm looking forward to the great things we're going to do. Woohoo, we're going to win a world championship this year because I'm on the team. Mm -hmm. So... Autosport went back to him and they said, what's, you know, what's going on? What's the deal here? And, and Otmar said, so Oscar and his camp are considering their options, whatever that means. When they pushed him further on the matter, Otmar said that the contractual engage- arrangements his team had with Piastri meant there was no doubt they could call him up for next year. So think about that. So he had a contract reserve driver we knew this Mm -hmm. and now alpine releases a statement that says he's their next driver and otmar is saying well it was due to the contractual engagements that we had with oscar that we've named him this so they didn't even call him up and ask it that's exactly what this sounds like hey oscar no they didn't do that Pick up the phone, call him, say, hey, would you like to drive in Formula One? We got a seat for you and you have a butt. So let's put those two together. No, they didn't do that. They said, you're our reserve driver. We're just going to go on and tell the press that you're going to you're going to move it on mm-hmm. up. So, and you'll be so thankful. So when when Autosport pressed Otmar on it, 
this. He said, what I do know is that he does have contractual obligations to us and we do to him. And we've been honoring those obligations all year. And those obligations last through 23 and possibly in 24 if some options are taken up. And our obligations to him this year was to be a reserve driver, to put him in last year's car for a significant amount of time. We're well over half that program of 5,000 kilometers, which isn't insignificant in last year's car, in preparation for a race next year. FP1 simulation work, we've been performing those allegations on both sides. So he's been performing and we've been performing. So therefore, we do have a legal contract with him into the future for 23. And if an option is taken up for 24, so I don't know what he's done with the McLaren. Like I said, I'm not privy to that. This is in response to the initial press release from Alpine that Otmar is saying this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even Autosport came out and said that, you know, this could be viewed as an attempt by the team to make public that it is a contractual call over Piastri in 2023 and be a firm hands-off warning to other squads trying to sign him that there could be a legal fight if they try to pursue him. Oh, my. So that was at 11.17 UK time when that story breaks. Then we move to 108 UK time. The same day, and Oscar Piastri puts out a Twitter statement. I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. Whoa. Face, meet, palm. Oh, my. What is it? This is not the only team that they've named drivers that have then turned around and said, no, you didn't. Well, you know, that was the thing that that struck me as interesting right off the bat was how similar this wording was to the statement from Alex Palau two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Exactly. I mean, almost word for word. As a side note, did you see, who is it? Was it... Alex Albon got re-signed for William. We're not there yet. <sighs> okay. You're jumping ahead. It was not in your lineup. It actually is in my lineup, and, and we skipped it. We were going to start this chain with that, but we, <laughs> now we're doing it later, which actually kind of works considering his statement to announce that he was you know, retaining his seat. That's where I was going, but so, okay. basically... Every single F1 team and F1 driver and most of the IndyCar drivers that have social media accounts ha- have been reacting to this with, you know, gifts of them eating popcorn. And <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what, it, what appears to be going on, we don't know for certain, is that and, and, and we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Mark Weber is representing Oscar Piastri. It sounds like some sort of pre-agreement is the best way to describe it between Oscar and McLaren was signed. Mm. Now, that agreement is contingent on dealing with Daniel C. Okay. This is all about Daniel C. Um... It does sound like with Fernando's departure 
there was quite a bit of bad blood at Alpine over this. And Otmar has made some statements that were press nasty. Best way to put it. I mean, he wasn't outright rude, but it was that thing of when you're trying to go and take a shot at somebody in the press without making it look like you're taking a shot at somebody in the press. Mm -hmm. There was some of that, although one of the outlets and it may have been race fans or, or um i want to say race 365 i don't recall um they actually carried an interesting quote from from otmar otmar to them claimed that he thinks that this entire merry-go-round was engineered mm. engineered by a combination of mark weber Fernando Alonso and Flavio Briatore. Oh. And there's some connections to all of this because Flavio Briatore has been representing Fernando Alonso for the length of his career. Mm-hmm. Flavio Briatore was representing Mark Weber for the majority of his career. And now again, Mark Weber and Oscar. Mm. And it maybe there was, and we also know that. Fernando and Mark get along really well. They've always been good friends. So Otmar is throwing out there that, you know, maybe this was engineered by that this group to cause some pandemonium. Interesting. But see, you always have to ask the question, to what end? What do they gain out of causing pandemonium? Well... It wouldn't surprise me if Fernando, again, pissed. Remember, Fernando has been known to burn bridges behind him. It In fact, would that's not kind sur- of the way he leaves organizations. Well, his, his last departure from McLaren, he did not. But it would not surprise me if some of this was Fernando flinging a big F you at Alpine. Mm-hmm. Possible. Not that he would ever admit it, but... So, now we have to look over at McLaren. Mm -hmm. And what's going on over there? So, McLaren is is fairly tight-lipped. However, word has broken. Nobody will confirm it, but the the major news outlets are stating Daniel's been told that, that McLaren wants to drop the contract. Right. Um... As we find out, more, and, and, and it gets confusing because, so supposedly the contractual language, there, there's question as to whether or not Oscar's contract was filed with the contract relations board. And that would be the legal re- recourse there if Oscar tries to break the contract. But it's not clear if the contract was actually filed with him and they didn't file, if they didn't file that could give him grounds to leave. Mm-hmm. If they did file, there's a legal fight there that could pull McLaren into it if McLaren is trying to lay, lay claim to Oscar. Then you have Daniel's contract. We're seeing reports that the only one at this point that has, and, and we don't know if it's true because we've heard both, but the only one at this point that has the ability to ask for an exit from Daniel's contract from McLaren is Daniel. 
Mm. So there's that question. Supposedly, Daniel has told the team that he would accept a release from his contract for $21 million. Honestly, in the world of Formula One, that's chump change. Well, for driver salaries, it's kind of high. Um, but you've also also got to look at it sounds like it's not as simple as just give me 21 million dollars and i'll go away and do whatever i want it is 21 million dollars if he does not get a seat Hmm. if he does get a seat that 21 million dollars would get paid from his up to 21 million dollars would get paid by his next team so if if his next team only offered him a seven million dollar contract he would get seven million from that team and mclaren would owe another 14 million got it if that even plays out that way Mm. so we don't know where that's going and then of course the question is well okay if daniel loses a seat where does he go so what's been floated out there Otmar wasted no time to to stand up and go, well, we'll take Daniel back. Now, everybody else who's been watching Formula One's going, okay, Otmar, you're saying you would take Daniel back. But you're also saying you're putting Oscar in your seat. Well, also, let's not forget, Renault was really ticked off at Daniel for leaving and going to McLaren mm-hmm. and doing it when he did. Now, admittedly, most of that management structure is no longer with the team, but the CEO of Renault is still there, and he was really upset. Right. So, yeah. But Otmar's... And, and at this point, I don't know if we can even trust Otmar's word. I don't think that we can. I mean, Otmar's <laughs> talked out of both sides of his mouth and possibly other orifices. Yeah. Um, it does sound like... Uh, McLaren and can't quite figure this one out either considering who they've gotten their their driver pen but it does sound like it at some point McLaren approached Daniel with the opportunity to shift over to IndyCar mm-hmm. yeah figure that one out given what's <laughs> sitting in with IndyCar drivers with McLaren how they would have pulled that one off but they had approached him with that and Daniel said yeah, I really don't want to drive ovals. Mm. Well, Roman said the same thing, and now he's driving ovals. So. And he's saying he enjoys driving ovals. I know. So, I know. yeah, he's saying, yeah, I don't really want to do that. So, don't know what's going to happen there either. Um, there's the seated Alpine. We know there's the the deal with Williams and Latifi being in trouble. Um, but there's also... A strong expectation at this point that Mick Schumacher is not going to remain with Haas next year. Okay. So he's going to be on the market. He's going to be on the market. But the one thing with Mick's seat is that Ferrari has first say as to who goes there. Right. Now, I don't know who Ferrari might slot in. I don't haven't heard anything about their juniors that, that anybody's saying is waiting in the wings. But for Daniel, uh, but where is there's it, no good options. Where's Mick going to go? He's not ready for the big red car yet. He's not. I mean, he 
he could possibly go into Williams. And I think putting Mick in Williams would be a better assessment of his current skills than sitting in the Haas, but I don't know. But that gets him off the Ferrari. You know, you got to stick with the, if you think that you have to stick with the Ferrari engines, you're looking at Alpha. Yeah, and Alpha's not interested. So they're they're keeping Joe Guayan and they're keeping Valtteri. So they've got no reason to replace either of them at this point. Yeah, I, that's the question of, you know, if Ferrari's going to, I mean, it's not unusual that Ferrari will pull a Ferrari. Um, you know, what do they do? Say Carlos Sainz hit pack sand? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Silly season indeed. So back to where you tried to jump. Like we mentioned, one seat is likely coming open at Williams. One seat has had the door firmly closed with Alex Albin putting out a tweet saying that he can confirm (laughs) that Williams has released a press release and he will be driving for Williams on a multi-year deal. It was the cutest tweet. <laughs> I mean, it was so it was so tongue in cheek and fabulous, given all of the the stuff going on that has happening in IndyCar and the stuff with Oscar. And it was, I'm confirming, I really did sign this contract. It's really real. <laughs> it was it was pretty awesome. I, I I gave it two very big thumbs up. So, you know, in addition to Mick, there's also talk that um, F2 driver Logan Sargent, who is part of Williams' young driver program, could get tapped for that seat. Mm -hmm. Um, He's an American, by the way. That could put an American back in Formula One. Always a good thing. Um, Also considered to be a candidate is Nick DeVries, who won the Formula E Drivers' Championship last year. He's considered to be a potential candidate. I don't know... I mean, we haven't seen anybody come from Formula E into Formula One. We've seen them go the other way. Right. So I don't know how that'll work. So then there was some interesting news. Now they're talking for next year. So after 2023, Helmut Marco has pretty much said that they're willing to let Pierre Gasly go. Okay. Actually, I mean, at some point, he's going to have run his time there. And that's the that's the team that he has had the most success in. And it's the team he's had the most success in. And while he was hoping to get back in the Red Bull, that's clearly not happening. The, no. do, the door's closed. Perez is there for the time being. There's not going to be any opportunity. So if Pierre wants to move into a better seat, he's going to have to leave um, the Alpha Tori team. Um, Helmet Marco went so far as to basically say that, well, you know, um, Yuki's got him on, on one lap time, so we really don't need him anymore. <laughs> you know, that's Helmet Marco. Okay, but I, 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 I read that comment and I was like, but wait a minute. Okay, Yuki <clears throat> can be fast in one, uh, one lap, but Yuki can't keep it on the road for two. Well, yeah, there's that too. He's got, he's much more crashy than Pierre is. 
he he's prob- much more crashy. But uh, okay, let, let's. Well, actually, in the last year, I don't think he has had fewer incidents than Lance. So, yeah, he's <laughs> he's been kind of. He's an emotional driver. <laughs> he's very young. You know, th- the the advice he needs. Bill Murray with the groundhog holding his steering wheel, going, "Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry." <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe that you have pulled a where's Groundhog Day. That's not Groundhog. Yes, it's Groundhog Day. Bill Murray with the groundhog at the steering wheel. That's Groundhog Day. Okay, but what about what's the other one um that he was on the side of the road uh with a sign? What about where's Bob? Where's Bill? Where's What about Bob? What about Bob? That that was not he he didn't. It was a therapist thing. Yeah, but that tracked... wasn't about a driving angry. I thought it was. He was on the side of the road with a sign. It was another sign thing that he did. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> anyway. So while we don't, and, and we should be getting in the next month or so, the provisional calendar for 2023, we don't have it as of yet. The question will be. Well, we get the provisional calendar and then the calendar go out and tweet that it has not signed a contract yet with Formula One and it's not a real calendar. Could be. Because that's the way 22 is going. <clears throat> Could be. Um, we do have, thanks to a leaked memo, what is believed to be the date for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So according to this memo, uh, the event will be held the weekend before Thanksgiving. And that for the length of the five-year deal, that will be Las Vegas's weekend. Okay. Now, there's a couple of notable things about this, not the least of which is this would allow Las Vegas to be the run-in to the series finale in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Because Abu Dhabi, they want, they've wanted to consistently have that race the last week of November. They don't want to have it in December if they can avoid it. Got it. So it was COVID that, that caused them to have it last year. They're trying not to do COVID. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's that. And, you know, you, you got to kind of wonder, though, about whether it truly makes sense. And, and yeah, I'm, I don't want it. I don't, not, not rooting for it, but this is going to be a race that's going to be glitzy and showy and, flashy and known for its parties and everything else to then go to Abu Dhabi with a race that's known for flashing lots of money and its parties and, you know, Mm -hmm. Monaco of the Middle East kind of. It it does seem like that could be a little tiring. Well, it also seems like if you kind of think about it, that's where some of these races are really going. We've added Miami, that's glitzy yeah. and party. We, you know, hype the Monaco parties. Now we're going to have Vegas in the glitz and the parties, and we have Abu Dhabi in the glitz and the parties. Um, is that what it takes to have a Formula One race? I I think Formula One race in the U.S. maybe? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So the other thing that the memo... Um, commits to is ending because again plan is for this to be a, a nighttime race in Vegas with the race all race activities ending no later than 1.30 a.m. local time okay 
That's going to be in the middle of the night for us. Well, we're going to watch it just like we watch Australia. Time shifted. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like we do in Australia. Um, One of the other things, and, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, is that while this will be a street race, F1 has purchased property to the east of the Strip that they plan on setting up permanent facilities to support the race. This is where the the pit lane will be and and some of the other components that are needed to permanently support the race. We don't know what they're going to do just yet. However, Liberty says that they do want to make this a facility that will have activities year-round. So, you know... I'm kind of hoping that these will be fan-friendly activities and it won't be one of these, well, you know, for corporate events, you can book this and have your meetings and stuff like that. I'm hoping that it's going to be an F1 fan-friendly attraction in Vegas. That would be cool. Well, with, you know, the popularity of Formula One with Drive to Survive, that would be in their best interest to not just make it corporate events. Yeah. But to be able to have an attraction that would also attract people to that area of downtown. And, you know, what would work well for this, for this to be a fan-friendly activity, and, and it is something that Las Vegas does give them an advantage compared to just about any other racetrack that they operate out of, and if that's the fact that it is in downtown, right on or just off the strip. Mm-hmm. And it is a very big tourist area with millions of visitors a year. And that could be really good for F1 and the race. And I would support that. Yeah. Love it in Chicago too. But hey, okay, I'll, I'll settle for that. <laughs> it's okay. We can go places to have that. So we'll, we'll see what's coming. We don't have any details other than that they're planning for year-round activities at the facility. Um, and we've heard the question of whether or not there's too many races in the U.S. You know, have we hit a point? Are we at a risk of hitting saturation, especially when you look at Miami? Well, Bobby Epstein, who is the race promoter over at Circuit of the Americas, says, no, nah, we got room for more. We're mm-hmm. good. We can handle this. Oh, Bobby says it. Well, you know, he's not just going and, and, and spouting off, though. Um, what he is saying is, um, you know, just looking at the demand that they've seen for tickets, um, they've got another sellout crowd this October. It's going to be their 10th anniversary. Tickets went on sale in February and within, or excuse me, they got a new five-year deal to host in February. It's their 10th anniversary in October. Another sellout crowd. They sold out in two days. Mm. And he says, even when they're not completely sold out, they're pretty dang close to being sold out. Um, they are adding um, another grandstand. I don't know if they're going to have it this year, um, but they're adding another grandstand, which will increase their ca- their capacity to another 6,000 fans. Wow. On top of, I believe they get on average about 120,000 fans a day. Mm-hmm. Now to put that in perspective, 120,000 fans at Coda. And do you recall on Sunday, the race day attendance in France, they announced it. Wasn't it like 40,000 or 50,000? Yeah, I think it was about 50,000. I don't think they broke 70,000. 
No, because that was one day attendance like at Hungary. Yeah, Hungary had like 73,000. Yeah. And 120,000 in a day at Coda. Yep. So, I mean, he could be right. If, if they're still selling tickets that fast, we'll see if it's sustainable. Correct. That's the question. Not that, I mean... Actually, the, the place that I really would want to see Formula One go, there's two places. One, I don't think there's a, a, a chance in hell they will ever go back to. Watkins Glen. No, Indianapolis. Okay. I don't think there's a chance they'll go back there. I'd like to see him go back to Long Beach. Mm, there's a lot of people that would like to see him go to Long Beach. Long Beach. Would, and, you know, could you imagine that? A full weekend. Well, there'd be some fights. But... Could you imagine a full weekend of IndyCar and Formula One on the same track the same weekend? There'd be issues because neither one would want to play second fiddle to the other and they'd have to do it. But it would be amazing. No, what Long Beach needs to do as the town is they need to schedule it so that it's IndyCar one weekend, the following weekend is Formula One, and then they have well, things there's going that on. alternative, but yeah. And do a full-on race week. You've got bookended by great mm-hmm. racing, and then really lean into the week between the two as post-IndyCar, pre-F1, or vice versa. Um, yeah, that's what you do. That, that could be really cool, too, especially considering, and, and that's the challenge over in Long Beach. They've been struggling financially. So to get these two events there, mm-hmm. wow, that could be a huge kick in the economy for them. Oh, yeah. So our last story, if you did not hear it, Lewis Hamilton has joined the ownership group for the Denver Broncos. That's right, the NFL team. Sport ball. Yes. I have no words. You said this and then paused and looked at me like, I'm going to have something to say. I had nothing. I got like literally nothing. I asked you the only question I had was, wasn't he supposed to be part of an ownership team for some football club? In the UK. Right. Um, That was buying the team from Roman Abramovich, I believe in the UK um, because, you know, he was getting his assets frozen. I don't believe that that ownership group won the bid. Okay. But I don't remember. Um, However, instead, he is invested in the Denver Broncos. Okay. I hope that he brings something to their team somehow. Maybe. Money. Cache. Lots and lots of money. Cache. And on that note, we'll call it a show. <laughs> we are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is there is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. 
I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.